sweet summer children. You've tuned into another very punctual episode of the podcast, Peep This Noise. I'm one of your hosts, Logan Johnson, and across the airwaves, I've got our other two. You guys go ahead and introduce yourselves. I'm Greg Marchant. And I'm Nathaniel Johnson. Well, we're uh, still recording remotely because of the quarantine times. Um, hoping for a quick relief to this virus, but barring that, I think we're finally starting to get the flow down over here at Peep This Noise Industries. By the way, we're capitalists now. Um, so oh. for this episode, we're going to be talking about the Phoebe Bridgers album, Stranger in the Alps. Uh, and you should hopefully have listened to this album because we gave you a full two weeks to do it. If you haven't, go ahead and hit that pause button. Your enjoyment of this podcast will probably be greatly enhanced if you listen to that album. And the um, album will take you probably less time than the podcast will. <laughs> true. <laughs> if if this if the way we normally do these things is any indication, yeah, that's uh, that's going to be likely. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and give a bit of an introduction to this. I I picked this media out for us. Uh, so a little bit of background on Phoebe Bridgers. She is an artist who has been playing music most of her life, uh, like a lot of independent artists are, and sh- she got her start busking on the street in Los Angeles. And one day she was playing a farmer's market when somebody came up to her and noticed and was like, hey, you're pretty good. Let's go into the studio and try some stuff out. Um, And pretty quickly she transitioned from being just a street performer to being one of the the big names in indie music right now, particularly indie folk uh, and folk rock, which is kind of this uh, really personal, really confessional style of music that is based in, in pretty extreme emotions. Um, so yeah, I guess that kind of leads us a little bit to the first question that I wanted to talk about, um, which is, uh, that like a lot of modern music, her songs don't necessarily fit cleanly into one genre, right? They don't, it's not necessarily all folk rock. Um, but speaking generally, people seem to agree that this album is not just folk rock, but it also scuffs the line between that and emo. Uh, and I wanted to talk about... Uh, kind of how that balance lands for you guys, uh, what parts of the album you feel are more in line with a folk rock tone, and, and what themes and, and ideas are more in line with this idea of emo. Uh, so I guess I'll just open it up there, and we'll see where this takes us. Um, I I thought a lot about this question, and I'm pulling up, I'm still pulling up on my phone um, the, uh, the album track list again. But one of the things musically I noticed that was kind of cool was that there were um there were some songs where the where the music playing in the background was definitely more produced um like uh there there were some electronically there are some electronically produced elements in the background on some of the songs and then some totally. songs were almost purely acoustic um with you know i i, I felt like m- uh, some of the time there wasn't even any kind of beat or any kind of additional instrument aside from aside from the acoustic guitar um mm-hmm. and uh that that was just one thing that was really cool to me is that um since you pointed out before we listened to it uh that this album would straddle that line of folk rock and uh emo um i was i was really kind of paying attention to how that could come across and that was the thing that came across most to me is that on on certain songs um even if uh even if the lyrics of the song didn't quite uh didn't quite stick to the uh even if the lyrics of the song did not mirror the 
the music of the song in the same way every time. The um, Some of the time you had that very folk music style of um, a little bit rougher, a little bit less produced. And then some of the mm-hmm. time you had a lot of... Uh, a lot of polished production, those electronic elements. Um, but at yeah, the same I, time, I, some of those... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I really appreciate bringing that, that up because that's definitely kind of, I think, how this album leans a little bit more into its folk side. There's a really famous folk album. I mean, you know, I put that in the biggest scare quotes when I say famous because folk rock is not like radio singles right now, right? Yeah. Um but there's a famous album called Wind's Poem by a guy named Phil Elverum, where he essentially took his microphone out into the woods and recorded his music there and tried to emulate the wind in a way that would make his music sound like a storm while there was a storm outside. So there's this idea there that like the production is in the roughness, kind of like what you were saying. And so I appreciate mm-hmm. you like noticing that in this because that's for sure something this album does as well. But then at the same time, I noticed some of the songs that ha- that were a little bit more produced had lyrics that I would more associate with folk music and some of the songs that had more uh, folk uh, folk melodies and folk uh, instrumentals were um, uh, were much more deeply um, deeply about the experience of emotion as compared to folk music usually being a lot more about telling a, telling a story. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the fact that folk music kind of, uh, kind of deals with some personal things like death and personal tragedy makes it easy to straddle that line. But some of the, some of the songs were much more about the internal experience of emotion. Um, and some of them were much more, uh, it seemed much more to me like she was telling a story. Um, totally. But the but the um, the accompaniment to the lyrics uh, wasn't always just one way for one type of lyrics and the other way for the other. It kind of went back and forth, which I thought was really cool. Yes. Yeah. yeah Nathaniel, of, what like, were some of your thoughts? Yeah, I was oh, going to go say. Ahead. Speaking of like uh, telling a story, uh, that it's not the last song on the track. You missed my heart. But yeah, you missed is my heart. Talking about? Uh, yeah, that was a good it's one. Next to last. Yeah, like, the, but the last one's yeah. like thirty seconds, which is why I'm like, yeah, it's the reprise of Smoke Signals, which yeah, it's good. Um, yeah, no, it's very good. Um, well, and I actually had the uh, album on repeat, so it started up Smoke Signals shortly after finishing the last track, so that was kind of cool. Um, yeah, it cycles into each other. This album's on repeat for me all the yeah. time. It's really good. Um, but like, you missed my heart very much as a story in some ways Mm -hmm. um but no i actually uh i've got a question i am really 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 bad at defining genres of music like i could not tell you what any genre of music is like you give me a song and say okay what genre is this i'd be like i don't don't know um like i might be able to get pop music down um sure but what exactly is like emo music and like what exactly is folk rock because i think actually i've got an idea on folk rock mostly i'm asking like what is emo music yeah so emo is a little bit hard to quantify because emo uh, evolves out of this tradition that was kind of this grunge rock and grunge pop and and garage pop experience that that evolved out of the late 2000s but think like um those people who wore black eyeliner unironically Right. Oh no no! Not I know like what an emo kiss, person right. is, 
But I don't know what kind no, of but, music it but would but think be. about the bands that did that, right? Ooh, so you get a band okay. like Paramore, right? A band oh. like Paramore that, that sings a song like, in 2017, sings the song Fake Happy, right? Um, emo is short for emotional. So gotcha. it's this idea that the music is kind of like what Greg was saying. Folk rock tends to be a little more narrative. Emo music tends to be a little bit more about the experience of of emotion and what okay. it does to you. Well, right? then it might be fair to say that I lean pretty heavily into listening to emo music on my own time. Um, mm-hmm. As far as like what music I listen to. Um, or at least sure. something between pop and emo. Somewhere in that range. Um, and my wife always accuses me of listening to really sad music <laughs> sure um and i laugh not out of derision i laugh because i listen to sadder stuff <laughs> right? yes, absolutely and that's how i felt about this album right because like for me like one of my regular jams that i will listen to is miss atomic bomb by the killers oh um, come on that's like that's entry level sad music that's like the gateway drug of sad songs <laughs> as i am well aware <laughs> I am well aware that that is what that's the one they warn you about in your sixth grade drug (laughs) prevention trainings. (laughs) Um, Yeah, like I'll listen to that or uh, again by the killers, uh, just another girl, which like those are sad songs, but not like sad songs. (laughs) Not like this. (laughs) Not like, yeah, we're all going to die. Nothing we can do about it. I'll cut in a couple of song lyrics here, um, but to kind of exemplify this difference between folk rock, a song that starts off or that sings a little bit more more folk rock is is we referred to earlier. You missed my heart, which sings something along the lines of near the end. Um, it kind of evokes this setting of down river from the grounds of the old prison graveyard, mm-hmm. while uh, a song like Funeral says. Last night I blacked out in my car And I woke up in my childhood bed Wishing I was someone else Feeling sorry for myself When I remembered someone's kid is dead And that's much less about the narrative and much more about the... Uh, the actual feeling, right? The feeling that she has is that she feels sorry for herself and that she wishes she was not her own self, but then she has this overwhelming feeling of like, but I, I'm not dead, <laughs> right? Yeah. Nor, is... nor am I a parent of a dead child. Right, exactly, right? I, the emotion is just a completely different thing. And this, this seems to be kind of uh, this line that Phoebe Bridgers seems to to walk and i think we've we've kind of come into a great segue point to talk about uh the next question that i had which is going to pull a little bit on who many call the father of folk rock and that's bob dylan he basically bob dylan was a rock and roll artist who got bored of rock and roll and said folk gives me the room to work with the emotions i want to work with but he could never fully leave like his rock and roll roots or his rock band behind Literally, the band came with him. He had one bassist who was with him most of his career. And so um, he kind of becomes the father of this genre that scuffs the line between folk and rock. And he was doing an interview with MTV where he said to the journalist, they were talking about Dylan's song, Feel a Change, and he said, 
uh, you, the journalist, might be reading too much into it. It's not a fairy tale type song. There are degrees of happiness. You go from one to the other and then back again. It's hard to be completely happy when those around us are suffering and groaning from hunger. Uh, so I guess my question here would be, how does Stranger in the Alps address this idea of degrees of happiness? Which songs on the album are happiest? And then what lyrics did you notice that reveal the sort of buried or concealed happiness? Well, okay. So I don't know. There's uh, one of them. I think it's, I want to say it's Demi Moore. Let me, let me check the lyrics. Tell me what the that. lyrics are and I'll yeah. help you out. No. It's actually the first line um, where it says, take a dirty picture, babe. Um, yes. Yes. This is a very important line for the entire album thematically. Yeah. And then she proceeds to say, I can't sleep and I miss your face. Yes. Um, and <sighs> that that one strikes me as like an attempt to be happy. Not actual okay. happiness, but like striving and yearning to be happy. Um, because well, I think it's oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, because she's asking for romantic involvement from the person that she's in love with, um, because she misses them. Um, mm -hmm. And if you've ever been separated um, from somebody that you're completely infatuated with um, for any amount of time that feels significant to you you start trying to find ways to be happy when you're at a distance from them. Like you send, you send each other texts late into the night or you, mm -hmm. you know, have those five hour long phone calls or, you know, whatever. Um, and I feel like that's kind of the emotion that's going here, but she doesn't, the way she sings it, she doesn't actually sound happy. She sounds like she's reaching for happiness. Yes, part of that is that Phoebe Bridger's voice is absolutely haunting. <laughs> and, and it's so, great. <laughs> yeah, so, but I think this is really important. I think this idea that you're grasping toward is, is you know, there is the feeling of, of being in love here, but there's also the feeling of longing. Another line in that song says, I don't want to be And it's not about being conceptually alone, right? It's about being physically alone. Um, and I think that that's, that's a really interesting thing here. Greg, did any of the songs here strike you as, as happy at all or, or having a degree of happiness in them? Yeah, so one that comes to mind is the song Killer. Um, and I, I bring that... Uh, one of the things that happened to me when I listened to that song is after I listened to it, I had to pause... Um, in listening the album, in listening to the album to go do something else, and I found myself humming the song. If you guys, uh, if you guys know it, um, uh, "Death Cab for Cutie," um, "I'll Follow You Into the Dark." I forget <laughs> if that's oh, the yeah, actual yeah, totally. name of the song. No, but another one you're talking about. Um, which, if I can, I don't know. Would we get uh, Would we get flagged if I quoted some of the lyrics here? Probably. Oh not. no, no, no! You're good to quote. Okay, so at um, at the the refrain of that song goes, if um, oh, if heaven and hell decide, if heaven and hell decide that they both are satisfied, and uh, and illuminate the nose on their vacancy signs, if there's no one beside you when your soul embarks, 
I'll follow you into the dark. And it's it's a really haunting, sweet song. And that's I, I found myself humming it as I was um, uh, af- after I finished the song Killer, because um, the there's this part near the end of Killer where the lyrics go. But when I'm sick and tired and when my mind is barely there, when a machine keeps me. And it, it it evoked the same kind of feeling in me as uh, as that song uh, by Death Cab for Cutie goes uh, does for me, and um, I felt like there's kind of this um, there's kind of this vision here of this person who um, describes themselves as a killer um, and possibly someone who could cause harm or discomfort or sadness to the one that they love. Um, is looking into this future and is looking into this possible future and hoping that they'll still have this person beside them at the very end of their lives. And that, that was really, um, that was really sweet and happy in a way. Um, I can think of a lot of, uh, I know, uh, Logan, you're not a fan of country, but there's a Tim McGraw song. Um, there's a Tim McGraw song that does this. Uh, very well called the uh, where the green grass grows yes it's a lot more upbeat but it's kind of the same thing and i've always liked that kind of song not to be confused with taylor swift's song uh tim mcgraw (laughs) a actually good country song i'm not saying that tim mcgraw song isn't that's actually one of the few country songs that i really vibe with Um, okay good (laughs) but but yes oh man that taylor swift song that'll send you to the right place let me tell you but no i I think that that one's also worth mentioning because that that song too uh, is a projection into the future uh the lyrics literally say uh when you hear tim mcgraw i hope you think of me like there's there's this projection there's this longing in the future not to the same degree as these others but it's there yeah well, and there's there's even more of that because at the end of that song, she leaves a note on his doorstep and says the first thing that you'll read. So it's even more anticipatory directly in that mm-hmm. way. And there is something about this anticipation of the sorrowful song that does um, have a, a note of joy to it. And I, I think you guys are really onto something there. One of the things that I really like from this album that I think is a super good uh, happy note actually comes from the first track smoke signals which is uh, maybe my favorite on the whole album it's a good um, one it was so, a strong start for sure yeah one of my favorite lines in this song is one of your eyes is always half shut something happened when you were a kid i didn't know you then and i'll never understand Um, and then the oh, chorus yeah. of smoke That's signals cool. the chorus of smoke signals says
which is this idea that, of course, the person was not actually um, looking for Phoebe Bridgers or for the speaker in the poem, right? Like, not literally, and they weren't literally burning smoke signals. It's it's a metaphor for saying, you know, you and I have always somehow been together, and yet we've always somehow been apart for our entire lives, and now we found each other because you were looking for me by burning trash on the beach, right? Right. Which is a really powerful and really evocative feeling that even though, again, Phoebe's voice is absolutely haunting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, and it's interesting that this song, which is so relatively joyful, is followed up by emotional motion sickness. <laughs> yeah, motion um, sickness is another banger. Motion sickness is great. You actually showed this song to me one time outside of the, uh, the outside of this experience of listening to it for the album. Um, but like in context, like in con flicked with the first song in the first song she's like yeah we found each other this is good and in this other one um she says That's just part of the lyric there but like it's it's a much more like nope this relationship has to end sorry it had to end the way it did but like it's got to be done well and i'm glad that i made it out is a very powerful emotion too right yeah um let, let's use this as a springboard into the next question uh which borrows a phoebe bridger's quote from a 2017 interview so a little bit of background this album dropped in 2017 in this interview comes from before uh that album came out and she was kind of having like one of those indie music uh journalist outlet interviews that they do when they can tell something's about to break big so far only funeral and smoke signals had come out when she gave this interview which are both strong singles uh and what she said in that interview was that there's something so cathartic about extreme emotion and so i want to talk a little bit about some of the emotion in this album and I'm wondering if any parts of Stranger of the Alps were extremely emotive for either of you. And if they were, does that emotion do the same thing for you that it does for Bridgers? Is it cathartic? And maybe explain why or why not. Uh, yeah, let me uh, see if I can find the part that was cathartic. Um, pulling it up. Yeah, so... Yeah, well, you pull that it, up. Oh, it looks it. like... It, yeah, it looks like there was about 44 minutes and 19 seconds of the album that I thought were extreme emotions that were extremely cathartic. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good bet. That was worth it. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, it definitely... The entire thing... I don't know. Do you disagree, Greg? How do you feel about the emotion in this album? Um, so, typically, I don't listen to as much sad music as either of you, but I... I I did like a lot of the songs. I think um, some of the tracks that I felt were particularly um, particularly emotive for me um, were uh, motion sickness. Um, just uh, some of the I I liked the I liked the chorus a lot, and it, it was kind of catchy. But then like the those two verses like the the first and second verses verse both begin with some really uh with some really strong um with some really strong statements that i uh that i thought were cool um 
let's see, the, the, the first verse begins with that statement, I hate you for what you did, and I miss you like a little kid. Um, and then the second, um, the second verse, I think, is, I'm on the outside looking through, you're throwing rocks around your room. Um, both of which I, I thought were um, just really, um, really, uh, both pictures or ideas that were really easy to connect with um in this uh in the context of that larger song but i think the um but i think some of the okay some of the other ones that i uh did really um like um for being emotionally cathartic were um funeral um killer like i mentioned before mm -hmm. and uh you missed my heart I'm glad you liked You Missed My Heart. I th that was one that I thought like, oh, this could be a little edgy. Because oh, it it's was about, edgy, like, but I liked it. Passion, right? It's, it's, a, it's an intense song. So I, I'm glad that you, you felt that way. Um, what, I guess, made some of those songs cathartic for you? Well, um, I'm always a sucker for... I'm always a sucker for a good story being told mm. in the lyrics along with, uh, along with the emotion. And... Mm. To one degree or another, you missed my heart being the the largest degree on of this. They they all did that. Um, I like uh, I liked that I was able to ride along um, ride along with these uh, with I I describe them as characters kind of ride along with these characters and <laughs> these stories and feel some of the things that they uh, were going through, especially with you missed my heart um, because. Uh, because you get, I think, three different perspectives in that song, mm -hmm. and they, um, and all three different perspectives, kind of tell, uh, kind of tell different stories about the emotions that they're feeling. Totally, there are three people in that song whose hearts are missed, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's really, I, I agree with you. I think it's really interesting, and it gives you a lot of of viewpoints of everybody in that in that song i'm curious about where you land as far as the speaker of that song is concerned um which is obviously this the killer right which we can yeah. link back to track six killer and and we could probably do some interesting poetic reads there um mm -hmm. but i'm curious how do you where do you land on that how do you feel about that speaker that character at the end of it um specifically at the end of the song you mean yeah yeah holistically after the, every the whole song is done how do you feel about that speaker what are your thoughts i'm just curious um i mean there's there's always the part of me that goes well it's it's kind of weird to it's kind of weird to really have sympathy for someone in their situation um mm -hmm. in, in the in the main voices situation but um but at the same time uh at the same time it, it wasn't that hard for me to accept the the premise of the narrative uh phoebe bridgers did a really good job uh framing it in framing it in that way um and the Okay, it goes back to the cathartic emotions for me. Mm -hmm. 
um, this person, uh, this person walks through a kind of walks us through a portion of their life that is just governed by extreme emotions ranging from, uh, ranging from anger to betrayal, to regret, um, to love and, um, and grief and all, and all of those. Um, Mm -hmm. and that, I won't say that, like, I won't say like, oh, I'm okay with what they did because of that, but because I get to ride along with those emotions and because the song ends the way it does with, um, with an execution by lethal injection, (laughs) um, it, it wasn't hard to, it wasn't hard to like it because it wasn't like it was celebrating that person doing those things. It wasn't like yeah. it was celebrating murder, but totally. it was. I, I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, it was just uh, taking us on a ride through the feelings that that person mm-hmm. was going through. Well, and I think it go, it gets to its natural conclusion too, right? C- part of catharsis, I think, is closure, right? It's yeah. about more than just expression of the intense emotions. I think it's it's about this this landing and closure. And and yes, it ends on the note of of lethal injection, which I, is pretty heavy. I'll probably put a PSA up up front just in case. That'd be a um, good idea. <laughs> but um, one thing that I think is really interesting too is after the lethal injection, there is that dream sequence, right? About uh, when the speaker was a kid on the riverbank waiting for the bullheaded catfish to bite downriver from the grounds of the old prison graveyard yeah right um which kind of brings the whole thing full circle right mm-hmm. and kind of uh i think circumscribes it in into a life that is is fairly well uh enclosed which i think is really really cool um before we move on to the next question i want to bring up a couple of of songs here that i think are really emotive for me and cathartic we mentioned uh funeral already um, something about the the beginning of that chorus. Jesus Christ, I'm so blue all the time, and that's just how I feel. Always have, and I always will. Always have, and always will. Uh, for somebody who who has always kind of had a mind that tends toward sadness. Right, I've always kind of been drawn toward that. There is for me something really expressive about releasing that and just admitting, like, no, actually, like I've just always been kind of sad, and that's okay. Um, so that's something that's always been cathartic for me in this album. And then um, the most cathartic song for me, and, and probably if not Smoke Signals, my favorite track on the album is actually Chelsea, uh, track eight, one we haven't brought up. One of the oh, only good. Ones we I wanted to bring up. this one up. Um, and I I'm actually gonna... have had the lyrics up for like the whole time Greg was talking. Good, 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 good. Uh, we'll plug in the beginning of it here. Um, so I'll, I'll quote the lines and then I'll cut it later probably and, and give it, and I'll give a little bit of rest after quoting. Um, but the line, the lyrics start out. For a chemical balance, you sure know how to ride a train, you
I guess is a lot of that song to plug in, but hopefully that's that's fair use. We're good. Um, <laughs> but I think uh, this is is really kind of interesting because it is this idea of a relationship in strain and yet a relationship that is um, is also kind of solid too, you know? There's a solidity to it and then there's this idea of like, Sometimes we just say things that are pretty words, right? Sometimes they're not important. Sometimes we just express the emotion and it's just pretty words, right? Well, you know, um, that, that bit where she says specifically, you are somebody's baby, some mother held you near. No, it's not important. They're just pretty words, my dear. Um, mm-hmm. That part I have thought about for... I have thought about that part probably more than any other part of the album. Um, because as you guys both know, I, uh, just finished writing my thesis, uh, for my bachelor's degree. And in that I dealt pretty heavily with the topic of existentialism, um, which to be short is basically the concept or the field of study that says there might not be any meaning in the universe. Like there might be no purpose to life. Um, and the questions about like purpose and meaning are something I've wrestled with you know my entire life for as long as I can remember like I remember being like a kid sitting in like school or church and just being like but like you know like what if there's nothing after death or you know questions like that and this thing the way she does this brought all of those emotions over the past 20 some years of my life home really hard to me because you're somebody's baby some mother held you near those are things people say to like impart meaning onto life and then she specifically says no it's not important they're just pretty words my dear and it brought all of like those questions of existential dread like back full force onto me that i've been grappling with especially strong this past year as i worked on my thesis um interesting and it was kind of cathartic though like it felt good the way she expressed it to like recognize the semi-absurd nature of using things like that to impart meaning or importance um, without diminishing how important those feelings and beliefs are to me. Like the fact that I am somebody's child. Uh, just really interesting experience. Yeah, I, I've i always had a, a completely different uh, like kind of feeling on, on this. Um, which is is kind of the poetic or the romantic capital R sense uh, musing of like human relationship and the incredible fragility of it, which seems to be largely what what this song is about, right? Um, the chorus echoes the words, "So long, prison boy, I won't be home with you tonight," right? Despite the obvious strong bond between uh, characters here, right? 
um, which I think is really interesting. And so I've always thought that, you know, this is a reflection of the inherent fragility of all relationship, right? Because she doesn't say, you're your mother's child, right? Like, there's your mother, Linda. She's over there, <laughs> right? She says, there was a mom once, um, but that's not really important now, you know? Um, and, and that, I think, helps set the stage for this other incredibly fragile relationship uh, expressed in the song, which I think is really cool. Um, so yeah, that's that's another one of my favorite songs here, and, and I think one that is particularly cathartic um, in I, the way that it expresses its emotions. Go ahead, Greg. I I like this one too. Now that you bring it up, um, and I think I have a different take than than you guys on that. I for some reason the way that I interpreted it was that um, was that this person like there is this strange relationship stuff is going on. Um, stuff is going on that's um that's putting a lot of strain on the relationship and all of that but then um the if i if i think of it as characters again because that's how i kind of thought a lot about the things going on with the lyrics in this album um when uh when the um when the character says um uh you are somebody's baby some mother held you near no it's not important they're just pretty words my dear um something about the something about the notes that that was set to and the um and the sound of it sounded mm-hmm. more to me uh sounded more to me like um you're like she's trying to she's trying to comfort this person totally she's trying to comfort this prison boy and he and he kind of maybe scoffs a little bit and um and then she's just and then she's just like no i know they're just pretty words but then it follows up with that next lyric there is no distraction that can make me disappear like i'm i'm here for you and i'm saying these things because i care even if yeah. hmm. um even if they are just pretty words at this point i i care and i'm here and i'm not leaving um that's another good read too because it also kind of transitions from you can wave the words away but you can't wave me away a little yeah. you know that's Which a really good way really to put it yeah, this is one of my favorites, plus the ultimate lead-in of any song on this album, in my opinion, is for a chemical imbalance, you sure know how to ride a train. <laughs> That's just like another just absolutely useless line. Like, what a throwaway compliment, right? <laughs> like, hey, you know, your entire emotional scheme is absolutely messed up. Or you could view a chemical imbalance as, as you know, the catalyst that creates human life, right? Um, but then couple that with, Hey, but you know, you may be imbalanced, but dang it, you know how to ride a train, (laughs) which is just really good. Um, and I, I like that a lot. I think that it, these, these throwaway words and these kind of reflections on life and on relationships and on the nature of, of the situation that kind of surround this incredibly difficult, again, song about lethal injection, (laughs) um i think is is really interesting and really really cool well let's move into the last question because i'm sure we're we've got to be bumping up against time here pretty soon um maybe not maybe we're okay we'll go we got we we got we're we're more than two-thirds of the way through our record time are we doing the mr incredible thing where we look at our watch and we're like 
I got time. <laughs> All right, let's let's uh, talk lastly about the the title of the album, which is something that has gone unaddressed uh, because the words "Stranger in the Alps" don't actually appear anywhere in the lyrics of this album. The closest we get is "Scott Street," um, one of two songs we haven't really talked about, uh, where Phoebe Bridgers sings "Walking Scott Street, feeling like a stranger with an open heart, open container," and then at the end of the song, she sings "Anyway, don't be a stranger." Um, and I want to talk a little bit about the concept of the stranger in the in this album. Uh, what about the album kind of evokes strangeness or unfamiliarity, uh, which I, is something I don't necessarily think happens a lot. This is a very intimate album. Um, and then what does the album title make you think of? What does the album title evoke for you guys? Well, for me, um, with the concept of strangeness or unfamiliarity, uh, the whole genre of folk is pretty foreign to me. And so mm-hmm. there's that layer to it. Like most of the music I listen to deals pretty explicitly with love of some kind. Um, and usually not even like loss of love. Usually it's, you know, it's some form of romantic love. And then if it's dealing with loss, it's usually of the loss of romantic love. Um, so for an album to deal so heavily with struggling relationships and death and loss and depression and lethal injections and prison and crime and you know all this all of that was so foreign to me and unfamiliar um and then to on top of that the brutal honesty about it just yeah oh yeah this sucks or yeah, sometimes I'm that's so just blue how all the time is. and that's just how i feel right yeah Right? Like, always you have, don't... and I always will. It's so bummer. It's so honest. But you don't talk to people in your regular day to day life, and they're just like, you know, we've been talking for 10 minutes. I'm just blue all the time. And you're like, I'm sorry, what's your name again? Um, yeah. Phoebe that, that Bridgers happen. does that in, in her first eight minutes, by the way. That's yeah. about when you hit that line. This is what I mean. Um, and so the intimacy of it is. Um, shocking to say the least Mm -hmm. um but it was kind of refreshing yeah it's maybe my favorite thing about this album i part of the catharsis for me is is in this idea of intimacy in the album and in this idea of being um as somebody like i said who who often is prone to like extreme emotion and and finds comfort in extreme sadness there is this familiarity here, right? That is this, hey, like, I see you. We're all in this boat together, you know? And I think that that's really cool. Um, so it is a it is a very familiar album. Did you notice anything about strangeness or unfamiliarity in here, Greg? Um, honestly, I in, in that regard, I was a little bit confused about the, uh, confused about the title because I didn't see a lot of the, from from the things that I was paying attention to that stuck out to me, I just didn't see a lot about being a stranger or about mm-hmm. strain or about strangeness because um like like you guys were saying that a lot of these songs um are very intimate toward the listener like sharing sharing these strong emotions and a lot of the stories that they tell are people who are seem to portray people who are very close uh very close to each other 
Um, I guess maybe the maybe the one thing uh, that stood out to me about the title was the stranger specifically being in the Alps. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't know if you guys have uh, if you guys have had the experience of being high up in the mountains, um, away from uh, away from pretty much anybody pretty much anybody else um and then you uh and then you're walking along and it's maybe getting late and getting a little chilly and you're heading back to your camp and you uh to get warm by the fire and you meet someone and have a you meet someone who's uh going the opposite direction on the trail and Mm -hmm. you uh and you stop and uh and you stop and give uh stop and give directions or or ask like how how the trail back down is looking or something like that and that that kind of uh that kind of specifically like this idea of strangers meeting up in the mountains um where you're far away from all of the from all of the usual stuff that's going on on your life you might be able to talk about this kind these kinds of things with someone that you're never going to see again Within hours, there will be miles of wilderness separating you. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, that, um, I don't know when I when I was trying to puzzle this out. That's kind of the picture that I got because it felt like, specifically in the context of the album, there wasn't much about strangers or strangeness. It was all about the pain of things that were familiar to people, mm-hmm. uh, familiar to the the characters in the stories, perhaps. Totally. I really like what you've you've brought here as somebody who's done a lot of hiking and some hiking with strangers. I can kind of uh, bear testament to what you said a little bit, uh, which is to say I once went on a 50 mile hike and for the back 25, which ran over the uh, the witching hours, if you will, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, I was with a complete stranger who I'd never met. A guy about my age who I was chatting with, and you know, when you don't have anything to talk to talk to somebody about, uh, pretty quickly you realize I'm never going to see this person again. And both of us just kind of started talking about pretty in depth stuff about our lives, right? Which is uh, really interesting and something I hadn't actually thought about in preparation for this. Um, hmm. f- for me, one of the things that Stranger in the Alps kind of evokes is this this image. So the album cover is of a girl standing next to a fence with a dog with a ghost, like pretty clearly photoshopped over the front of her. Right. Um, by the way, interestingly enough, Phoebe Bridger's next album, uh, the iconography is her in a skeleton outfit. So there's probably something to think about there. Um, but for this one, it's, it's a ghost that's photoshopped over the, the face of the girl in the picture. And it kind of makes me think of other times that I've been in the mountains and it's been, just about twilight and when when it gets to be just about twilight and as night really starts to settle in sometimes you see things in the distance that aren't really there right shadows start to play tricks and they begin to play games as twilight sets in and that kind of rounded shape of like an almost person is a really common thing for me to see when i'm out hiking near night around nighttime right and, and you get kind of used to it and you realize like there's not people all around you watching you, right? There's not formless uh, entities staring at you. But it kind of, the first couple times, especially when you're by yourself, it kind of feels like there might be. 
And I, for me, Stranger in the Alps kind of makes me think, what if I met one of those figures, I saw one of those figures in the mountain, and I went up and I talked to them, what might that conversation be like, right? What might they have to say? What would it be like if I met at night a stranger in the Alps, and they just told me everything about their life before they decided to move to the Alps, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I think like, all of that pairing together kind of evokes this image to me of the stranger in the Alps is somebody you've never met. And yet the stranger in the Alps is somebody who knows more about you and your feelings and your life than you might. Right. Because they've seen so much and they've been through so many things. Um, And I don't know, I, that's kind of how I've always conceptualized it. Um, And it's part of why I love this album so much. Yeah. um, You know, it's, as I think a lot about the fact that there is a huge focus on death in this, I think a lot about uh, the famous soliloquy from Hamlet, um, to be or not to be, um, where Hamlet is contemplating pretty seriously the notion of suicide. Um, And he says... um, He talks about the fact, though, that it's an undiscovered country, death, um, Mm -hmm. that makes it that we don't know. He says exactly, um, he he basically says, okay, but like, who would suffer through life when they could just die um, to grunt and sweat under a weary life, but that the dread of something after death, the undiscovered country from whose born no traveler returns puzzles the will and makes us rather bear those ills we have than fly to others that we know not of. Thus conscience does make cowards of us all, and thus the native hue of resolution is sickly door with the pale cast of thought, and enterprises of great pitch and motion with this regard their currents turn awry and lose the name of action. And this is another one of those looks into death as like a whole concept, and Shakespeare gives us this wonderful view of like, one of the reasons that we as humans are willing to suffer all the things that we go through is because we have no clue what happens after death. Like we just we know nothing about it. There could be something, there could be nothing. And the what this album does with this intimate view at death is another thing where it just evokes the whole strangeness of it in a lot of ways. Shakespeare points out how strange death is conceptually and how we know nothing. And Bridgers does the same thing in a lot of ways. By talking so much about it, we are forced to reflect on death. Yeah, absolutely. I I really like that. So I guess that's probably going to wrap up most of our conversation here about Stranger in the Alps. Uh, Thank you two for uh, bearing with my incredibly in-depth questions about this album. Um, I do want to shout out the one song we didn't talk about, which is Georgia, uh, which is also a really good jam. Uh, people should check out all of these songs from Stranger in the Alps. I do want to find out where do you guys land on this album? Have I made you disciples of folk rock? Where are we at? (laughs) Are you guys ready for the Mount Erie album that opens death is real? Someone's there and then they're not. (laughs) How are we feeling? (laughs) Um, I mean, I'm probably going to listen to this album again. <laughs> yeah, this is one of my most cycled albums, and that's 
good to hear because I'm glad I'm glad you liked it. I did, honestly didn't know how this would be received. Greg, how do you feel about this album? You know, I I probably would listen to this one again, and now that I've listened to it, I'll probably listen to her next album when it comes out. If you make me aware that it has come out, because I don't usually follow those kinds of things yeah. very closely. It's June nineteenth of this year. The album's called Punisher. I've already pre-ordered the vinyl. We can absolutely have a listening party. <laughs> cool. Um, I yeah, I'm very excited for that album. I rarely buy vinyl before an album's released. It's uncommon. So yeah. I'm pretty confident in Phoebe Bridger's ability. It's it this type of music was not necessarily the way that I usually prefer my kind of moodier music that deals with uh that deals with um these kinds of uh, really grim themes. I think that the song that stands out to me is something that I would usually listen, uh, something that I have listened to quite a lot, just a particular track that kind of does the same thing to give you a sense of the style is um, Face Down by Red Jumpsuit Apparatus, mm-hmm. mm. um, which is dealing with, uh, which is dealing with like the idea of abusive relationships and, and, that kind of thing um which is much more uh which is i don't know would that be punk i don't know uh rather than that's red jumpsuit apparatus scuffs the line into emo a lot yeah i was gonna say though like anybody who was in middle school at the same time i was definitely listened to that song um totally yeah so it's it's not the way that i usually prefer to get my uh to get my grim themes in in music but i I would give it another shot and maybe it'll, maybe it'll grow on me. Like I said at the beginning, I tend to listen, I tend to try to listen to happier, uh, happier music. That's where I, that's where I tend to land on, on music, um, on music in general, but I did like this. So I'll definitely give it more, I'll definitely give it more ear time. Is that a thing? Ear time? (laughs) I don't know, but it is now. We've coined it. We've created ear time. That's gonna be a recurring Set aside, character Apple, on the put FaceTime in the garbage. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, we developed a new thing. What if FaceTime, but you don't have to look at the person? <laughs> we call it ear time, calls. ladies and gentlemen. What if FaceTime, um, but you don't have to look at the person? I wonder who thought of yeah. that. Like in the late 1800s, <laughs> a really, really totally. brutal person, by the way. Totally. Well, uh, I'm going to go ahead and and take us out here. If you liked the music of Phoebe Bridgers an awful lot, like I do, um, you can drop us an email at mail at peepthisnoise.com and let me know. I also have great news for you. Like I said, the new album comes out June 19th of this year. Uh, That'll be called Punisher. Uh, Phoebe Bridgers has also been in two super groups. Uh, She was in a group called Boy Genius with Julian Baker and Lucy Dacus. And a group called Better Oblivion Community Center with Connor Oberst. Uh, people who are familiar with the folk rock space will know he's kind of a big name. Uh, he was the frontman for Bright Eyes. And so those are both excellent acts that you can check out. Uh, both of them have an album, or, or I think Boy Genius has an EP. Um, and both of those are worth looking into. Another great thing, uh, and astounding, given the emotive content of this album, is that Phoebe Bridgers is only 25 years old. So hopefully we have a lot more Phoebe Bridgers music on the way. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, thanks again for tuning into this episode of, of Peep This Noise. We've, I think we've really had a nice time. Um, if you don't want to send us an email at the mail at Peep This Noise email, you can find us on Twitter at Peep This Noise. Uh, 
Uh, once you do that, give us a follow, send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. DMs wide open. Uh, if your podcast platform of choice allows you to, please like and subscribe. Uh, tell your friends who might enjoy listening. I don't think we have any real plans to advertise this show other than word of mouth, so that would uh, do us a lot. Uh, next time, uh, we're going to be talking about a mobile game that you can just download on your phone for, I think, 2 or $3. I called think it's $3. Florence. Yeah, I think it's 3 You're right. Uh, and we're, it's called Florence. Greg, you picked this one out. You want to give us a little bit of a background on it? Yeah, so I played it. It's by a. It's a game developed by a small um, Australian city. I think a stru- small Australian studio. I think in Perth, Australia, or something like yeah, that. Called Mountains is the name of the studio. Yeah, um, and it's it's a fun experience of playing through the life of, uh, kind of playing through some significant life events from the point of view character's perspective whose name is florence and it's just really fun listen uh play it with your headphones in so you can listen to the music um if i can also astounding yeah if i can also put in here um in a few weeks from now we're going to uh we're going to be talking about the theme the theme and the different portrayals of love in the anime toradora which um for those listening, you can find on um, you can find on uh, Crunchyroll, Verve, um, and Amazon Prime Video. Um, so uh, go and check that out. There, we're going to go through the whole. We're going to all watch the whole series, and then um, and then uh, talk about the theme of love and the different aspects of it as portrayed in that show. Um, yeah. So just a just a distant heads up so that if you if you're not an anime binger you can get through that in time that is what i'm relying on so yeah to recap next week florence um by the way if you're not really into video games florence has no skill floor you'll be able to play this game easily it's not a game of skill it's it's a game of of narrative um and then in about a month or so we're going to do toradora so start getting ready for that um, but yeah, thanks thanks again for listening. I want to give a special shout out to Katie Davidson and the band Key Losers. Uh, their music is the song I Don't or Don't Know Why from their album California Light. And that's the bumper. You're going to hear it coming into every episode of Peep This Noise and going out of every episode of Peep This Noise. If you haven't listened to California Light yet and this isn't your first episode, I don't know what to tell you. It's a good album. Go look it up. Uh, once again, thanks for listening to Peep This Noise. And remember... Everybody likes bad things. So open up your mind. Let the wind inside.